Welcome to Piloting. I'm Melissa. And I'm Renee. And we're your hosts. Piloting is a podcast for people who refuse to live on autopilot, where we celebrate risk takers, go-getters, and anyone craving a change. Hello, hello. It's December. Which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We are in the final month of the year already. I feel like more than any year before, this just feels like it's flown by. Seriously, I think of uh, it's the final countdown. Do, 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 do. Okay, I I have never heard the lyrics, but once you hit the melody, I was like, I'm ready to chime in. I got it. Yeah. Uh, by the time this episode airs, fast math, fast math. Um, how many days till Christmas? Nineteen. Nineteen. Yes. I have to say, though, Melissa, for someone who says that she doesn't like math and science, you bring it up <laughs> almost every episode. I don't think I mean to. I like it. Uh, I um, Fun fact, Duolingo, the app we all love, Renee and I are on like... Mega streaks. A really strong, yeah, really strong streaks. Um, they have a math app that goes towards your XP. And so I've been like trying it out and it's simple math. At least, at least this first level, it's like nine times 10, nine times nine, nine times eight. But it's like, you ha- you know, you, you try to do it quickly oh. and they sort of teach you some tricks of like grouping. Um, but anyway, I maybe, saw that they had rolled why. that out. <laughs> Did you, so that's what I've been doing. Did you get an email from them? Mine was like, you're in the top 10% of learners for my language. Renee. What are you, top one? <laughs> yes! <laughs> I'm not shocked. Every day I get an alert on my phone that's like, Melissa has entered the gold league <laughs> where she just did a mega exp. I'm like, she's going to be floating Spanish by Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> um, I, yes, I am in the top 1%. Uh, Spotify had their like wrapped of like your music. Duolingo had the same thing. Um, I was in a really intense battle this week to get number one in the Diamond League, which I got. Yes. Um, but it was really intense. I'm glad you persevered. And I had to get eighteen thousand XP to get to first place. It was I. I'm burnt out. I'm absolutely burnt out, but I got the number one position and I feel really proud of myself because like Spanish, like what I really, really did want to dedicate time to like learn Spanish and be better at Spanish. Cause I know I have it in me and I know it's not going to make me fluent. Like Duolingo doesn't make me fluent, but it's, it has helped me like retain a lot of like good vocabulary and just some, like some basic sentence structure. So yeah. <laughs> Top one percent, baby. <laughs> I am so proud of you. <laughs> when I saw my top ten percent, I said, "I know this girl is way higher than me." <laughs> you pay attention. I don't really pay attention to the XP, the gamification as much. I just try to keep my streak going. But I know you are yeah. like really good about like making sure the rankings are good. I can get so you into get more it. learning. Yeah, yeah, that's smart. Yeah. yeah. And like, there's like a strategy of like how to maintain your your double XP while you're playing, so you get twice the amount of XP and all this stuff. But 
Um, we won't get into that. Very cool. But nerdy. what are we getting into today? Because it is a book club week. Well, we are getting into Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. I liked it. <laughs> Um, but no, we are talking about Matthew McConaughey and his book Green Lights, which was a number one New York Times bestseller. Um, I really liked his description of the book because I, I feel like it's true. Like he has said it in the beginning of the book, like this is not an advice book. This is not a self-help book. And this is not your conventional memoir. This is really like an approach to life book from obviously my perspective he says it's about notes, about successes and failures, joys and sorrows, things that made me marvel, and things that made me laugh out loud. How to be fair, how to have less stress, how to have fun, how to hurt people less, how to get hurt less, how to be a good man, how to have meaning in life, how to be more me. Um, so I like the description a lot. And I mean, I know people are like obsessed with the audio version, audio book version of this book. But I'm telling you, I think just like a physical books are great, but just like being able to see his pictures. Like I, I really felt like I was in his journal. Like I was reading a page from his diary, which he actually includes in here. I would agree. I would say of all the books I've read, definitely this year and probably even in the last few years, it is the most impressive physical like hard Mm. hard book I think the design of the book is stunning um yes obviously the book sleeve has like a great kind of cowboy-esque photo of Matthew McConaughey but the actual book beneath the sleeve is cool inside the book it very much feels like you said like a scrapbook you Mm -hmm. see journal entries in his handwriting photos his musings on different things interspersed on like napkins and what he calls bumper stickers, which are these additional musings. And were actually some of my favorite parts of the book that just kind of encapsulate his philosophies and ways of thinking, whether it's, it's like really deep journal entries from like a journey in the Amazon or just some poetry <laughs> he wrote, you know, which I think mm-hmm. he's actually quite a good writer. It's oh, yeah, like, absolutely. it's really nice having the physical book to see how it kind of scrapbooks together. Yeah. And I think it just like shows his personality. Like obviously when we think of Matthew McConaughey, we can all like hear his voice right now. His like iconic movie lines. Like you said, that sort of cowboy Texan, you know, Mm -hmm. warm, sultry voice. But it just felt like another being able to see another layer and another side of him and seeing that more artistic uh, poet, right? That just like very like visionary, philosophical, very quirky and like sometimes like rambler, you know what I mean? Like you're like chicken scratch, you know, of notes. And like sometimes, I mean, his handwriting sometimes looks like literal chicken scratch. Please don't take offense to that, Matthew. Um, and so it's it was sometimes it was kind of like hard to read, but I think that furthered the experience of like seeing how quickly he was writing something, how he underlined it, how he like tried to bold it in his handwriting. Um, so yeah, it just felt extremely, extremely intimate. 
And who doesn't want to be intimate with Matthew McConaughey? Absolutely. And I so I know like we're in the age of celebrity memoirs and like everyone has a story. I, mean, I do truly believe that everyone has a story. That is like one of my mm-hmm. core beliefs. But I, I will say that I have zero doubts that he wrote this book. <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's <laughs> yes. so much in no his ghost voice. Writer. Yeah, there's no ghostwriter. There's no, like, transcriber. I'm like, and, and I mean that in a positive way because the way his writing style is so interesting. Like, I can tell that he is a storyteller by trade and in his private mm-hmm. life because it just, he can weave a yarn and it's just so entertaining <laughs> to hear all of his stories that I'm not even sure how to, how do we even want to, like, kick off this conversation about the book I know because okay so the thing about this book what I what's different about other memoirs or just books that we've been reading like they have sections and his book has sections as well but I'm not gonna lie to you they're 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 it's like a mix like it's not always like the Jason Derulo here are their I forgot how the number, but like the 10 oh, ways, 12, to live yeah. your, 12 ways to live your life out loud. And they were very like specific notes, very specific pieces of advice that you could flip to the section and read about authenticity and transparency. Um, this book is very much, it kind of goes all over the place in a way, but at the same time is organized. Like it goes through his life. Like every sort of lesson learned is born from a time of a time in his life and he does go in order from how he grew up how he was raised until where he is now with his own family um I guess before we like dive in maybe we I'll share some like initial thoughts even though we've been like doing that I'll share like a couple more mm-hmm. and then I think we just sort of like go into like some like concentrate on a section that we liked and and what stood out for us and how reading about someone's life who's been a a person who's been in the limelight can help us on our own piloting journey because I was really surprised and I shouldn't have been that surprised I mean I was surprised and not surprised that he is someone who went through pivots and he is someone who had to like withdraw himself uh kind of go within himself to figure out what he truly is passionate about and I think it just like goes to show we can never judge a book by its cover and if I'm being if I'm being totally honest I've never seen Matthew McConaughey in that way like the the version of Matthew McConaughey I know is how to lose a guy in 10 days and it just like was a great reminder of how multi-layered we all are And that there's, regardless of like, I mean, he's obviously a successful actor in Hollywood, but even through that success, he's had to pivot and he goes through evolutions and like, he's not like afraid of them. And I don't know, I I am starting to just like want to read every single memoir possible because I don't know, it's just so nice to fall in love with like the imperfection of people and it was just like a great reminder that yeah each one of us has like a story to tell and we actually don't know everything about anybody um yeah. for sure <laughs> I'm, I, rambling. No, no, <laughs> I'm rambling no <laughs> i'm rambling all good i i agree i think um 
I think what makes this really this book really special to me is that he is particularly introspective mm-hmm. and ph- philosophical in his thinking, um, which you we just not as many people in the limelight in like the entertainment industry at least necessarily broadcast that side of themselves, you know, whether it's a big part of them or not, where it's it's clear in here from an early age, he talks about um, his perspective on spirituality, both like, I guess, folk spirituality and like organized religion. Mm -hmm. He talks about sort of principles and values that were really important to him growing up in his family and how those have guided him and how he's kind of evolved and created his own values. I think, I think what makes this really interesting is that he is such an introspective person. I also Mm -hmm. like that for someone with such a public life, his life in Hollywood is some, it's the whole book is very interesting. Like spoiler alert, I loved it, but I would say that (laughs) his life in Hollywood is some of the least interesting parts of his life. And that says a lot because I think obviously Hollywood glamour, like you said, how to lose a guy in 10 days. That's like one of my go-to rom-coms. And I love his serious, you know, films as well, like mud Dallas fires, but his adventures and just the life he's lived outside of the limelight is so, so interesting. (laughs) I think. Yeah. Yes. 100%. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause like, yeah, it's not a book where you're going to get like juicy details on like his relationship with, uh, with uh, Sandra Bullock, you know, or like him talking about his co-stars or, really about anyone he's dated he's he only talks about his wife and the moment he met his wife and that's the only sort of juicy content we get with relationships but yeah you're right like his upbringing and uh his arrest (laughs) um and just how he was with the kid and his perspective on things like it's just really interesting to see how his experience as a young kid and how he was raised and the trauma that he went through with a couple of things he mentions in the book, but doesn't go into total, total like deep detail about, um, I don't know. And how he just uses that as a way to talk about like the title of the book, which is green lights and how he uses every single one of those opportunities and like labels them as green lights. And so maybe we can talk about, we can start with like what he means by green lights and then, I guess, go from there. Yeah. Um, I actually have a quote pulled up from that. um, Where basically green lights are just, you know, looking for like these positive signs that you're going in the right direction and these opportunities. And a quote from the book, we can catch more green lights by simply identifying where the red lights are in our life and then change course to, wow, clearly I put a lot of typos when I wrote this. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe I don't have to. Renee misquoting the quote. Um, yeah, so we're going to paraphrase. <laughs> Basically, he says we can like earn green lights and also engineer and design our lives for them. And I think that's something that's interesting too, is that a lot of the book is, yes, you're looking for these signs that that was the right thing to do. I made the right choice. I stood by my values. I took a risk and it paid off. Like those are green lights. And some of them have to do with luck, but a lot of them are also 
throughout the book. And again, he doesn't, it's not preachy at all, which I think is why, to your point, Melissa, it's not organized. And, and in this section, I'm going to teach mm-hmm. you how to take a risk. <laughs> you know, it's instead the section is the arrow doesn't find the target. The target like attracts the arrow. You know, it's just these bigger mm-hmm. philosophies that through his experiences and stories, you can find patterns and, and like he says, an approach to a way of living that creates an environment that is more conducive to green lights showing up, Um, which I think is nice because we talk a lot about here about personal agency and things that you can have in your control. So he even mentions, you know, yes, were there times that being attractive or good luck played a role? For sure. However, I also ruined some of those opportunities or made mistakes and then had and saw the ways that I could make change to engineer those green lights to return and to like have more of them come up more often. So I don't know. Do you want to pick a, a section or like start with a story? Like what are some of the big things that jumped out to you Ooh. in a positive way in this book or, or negative? It doesn't um, have to be positive. Honestly, I was thinking about that actually. Like what, <laughs> was there anything in this book that I didn't like agree with? Um, and my quick first answer is like, not really. Like I really, just appreciate it and respect like his way of thinking um okay so in terms of like sections I liked the title find your frequency I think that's like the second section of the book yeah I just like that notion of finding your frequency I'm gonna give Eric credit here um because recently he's just been like telling me uh, I don't know what he's been listening to or reading on social media but he's like we have got to avoid these low vibrations. <laughs> and he's like, I, I am so tired of like low vibration, like low vibration places, low vibration people. Like we need to seek higher vibrations. And so when I read that, like find your frequency um, section, I was like, oh, I like that. Like the, I love that between like the seeking higher vibrations versus lower And what stood out for me in that section was really this idea of getting to know yourself and spending the time with yourself to get to know yourself. And that getting to know yourself is a process of elimination and identity. So this is kind of like a pullout section there. And he, uh, so quoted the first step that leads to our, our identity in life is usually not, I know who I am, but rather I know who I'm not process of elimination Too many options can make a tyrant out of any of us, so we should get rid of any excuses in our lives that keep us from being more of ourselves. Um, There's there's more to there, but uh, knowing who we are is hard. Eliminate who we're not first, and we'll find find ourselves where we need to be. And I kind of giggled in this section because I'm like, you know, I actually do this when I'm picking a place to eat. And or I am like with <laughs> I am like literally in the margins of my book. Um, or I'm with somebody and you're that inevitable question, what do you want to eat for dinner? Where do you want to go? And I do am I am the person, sorry, not sorry, who does get frustrated when the other person's not like giving me anything. They're like, oh, I don't know, whatever you want. And I'm yeah. like, no, uh, like there are so many options. We need to make a decision. And so I've learned process of elimination. So for like my mom and I'm like, okay, mom, what do you not want? 
you know, and then that kind of helps us get to that decision. Uh, so I really liked that because I'm like, I'm sort of in this phase right now where I'm reconnecting with myself and I'm getting to know myself again because I feel like I've just been like work Melissa for so many years. I really just want to know like, OG Melissa, <laughs> talking to myself in third person. Um, no, I feel that that <laughs> third person Melissa is speaking to Renee. So don't be shy about it because that I, that's the conversation I have with myself all the time. Like I've been work Renee for so long. Who is OG yeah. Renee? Um, and I do think process of elimination is super helpful. I think something that I also really appreciate, which started in that section, but also is echoed throughout the book, is that he's a big believer in traveling and spending yes. time alone as a way to get to know yourself better. Throughout the book, he talks about his year living in Australia, his various pilgrimages to the Amazon, Mali in Africa, different mm -hmm. desert, like oasis um, retreat places, like his life in like living, not van life, but like his life on the road in an RV for over three years with him and his dog, very like travels with it. Charlie kind of um, Steinbeck vibe. And I think I obviously were big travelers. We talk about that a lot on this mm -hmm. podcast. So I really resonated with that. He also mentioned in that sometimes we have to leave what we know to find out what we know. And mm. I like that, like that sentiment of pulling yourself out of your comfort zone and leaving what feels familiar to really understand what's going on. I think in the section you're talking about find your frequency, it's where he talked about his year in Australia, which was really uncomfortable <laughs> for me to read. I was just like, the host family sounds so bizarre and it just seems like so uncomfortable. Like I was cringing the whole time, but he said that experience forced this like golden boy, most handsome, like gets all the chicks, like top of the food pyramid man to start this journey of like being mm -hmm. introspective, introducing discipline and other practices writing. in his life, writing, yes, writing and like all of these things. And I was just like, how beautiful that he took what I would have been on a plane home. I was like, these, this host family is bizarre. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but again, but he like shook yeah. on it. He shook on it. And he was like, I'm not going back. Like I, I made a promise. And like turned this odd situation into a green light that, you know, has yes. since created these like practices, you know, in his life and just equipped him to like deal with things on the go. Like remember when he has, I mean, his life, honestly, is just so interesting. When he talked about that, when he left Hollywood after his first couple of weeks there to go ride motorcycles with his friends across oh, Europe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they wrecked a bike, but this guy, like, met them there and gave him a new bike. I'm like, what is this life? I, is this real? <laughs> I think, yeah. I mean, I actually just saw this week that I think the BBC said the word of the year is Riz, um, which for the older folks is basically mm -hmm. slang for charisma, like if you have mm -hmm. Riz. And I think Matthew McConaughey has always had an abundance of Riz because it just- Look at Renee bringing in the Gen Z terminology. I mean, I can't have you shoulder all the weight. I, I'm not a total grandma. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to do my own horn for a second. I did know what that meant. Of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> I knew what that meant. <laughs> but I learned I learned it from Dancing with the Stars. Anyway. Um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when we were talking about the Australian 
his Australian adventure. He was like there for a year. Uh, quick like <laughs> tangent, but his host family was called the Dooleys. And the whole time I was reading this book, Renee, or this section, I was like, were the Dooleys just the Australian version of the Dursleys? I knew you were going to say Harry Potter because that did cross my mind as well. Like, especially the dad, you know, I was like, I'm getting like Dursley vibes. Um, yeah. And for those who haven't read the book yet, I mean, his host family was sort of a nightmare. I think they kind of conned him into thinking he was staying by the beach, like right mm-hmm. outside of Sydney. He was in like a super tiny rural community hours away. They had a lot of like weird expectations of how he should behave that didn't feel like a cultural difference. It really just felt like an un, just an unrealistic expectation. And just, I don't want to spoil all the stories, but it was just very inappropriate, weird mm-hmm. jokes, weird comments that I think a man or a person with different character would have been, would have been fine throwing in the towel and saying, you know what, this, this wasn't for me, but mm-hmm. he's Matthew stuck it out. He said, I'm staying all year. Um, I like the way he worded that too with like, I was forced into a winter. So in his, his Australian year, like I was forced to look inside myself, as you mentioned, like the introspectiveness and writing letters home and his letters at first were like a paragraph. And then by the end of it, it was like 15 pages because he just couldn't stop writing. And I think it just allowed him to understand I don't know, just explore, explore his mind and like, let it wander on the paper. Um, so I, yeah, th- that stood out for me in that section. And then he, I forgot who, who he quoted in the book, but it talked about style. Oh, Gore Vidal. Okay. Thank you. And it's style is knowing who you are and what you want to say and not give a damn. And I, I and highlighted so I'm that just too. Like, yeah. <laughs> And it just makes me like when I think about where we are in life and what we're trying to accomplish with this podcast and how we're trying to lead a, you know, lead our purposeful life, whatever that means to us. Like I, in order for me to answer that question, I have to know who I am. And if I'm able to sort of like dig her up, then I can be more stern in like a good way and grounded in my point of view on things. And then I could be like, yeah, these are things that I give a damn about and these are things that I don't. Um, And that to me is like powerful and empowering. So it is, I think it is really empowering to kind of understand firmly, like this is what I stand for and I don't give a damn. I don't care if other people don't get it. Like I, I, it's very values and purpose driven. Um, Somewhere in the book, he kind of expands on, I guess, Gore Vidal's idea. And I really liked this quote Matthew says, if we make it this far after we've put ourselves in the right place to receive the truth, recognize it as such, make it our own and preserve it, then comes the coup de grace, having the courage to live it, to actually walk away from that place where it found us, take that truth with us into the screaming arena of our daily lives, practice it and make it an active part of who we are. If we can do that, then we are on our way to heaven on earth. And I really liked that because it acknowledges that oftentimes we know the truth of what we want to do, what we want to explore, who we want to be, 
in this life, in our relationships, in, you know, the legacy we leave behind, you know, in all of these different ways, like we kind of know it. That's not to say that you can't change your mind later on, but we know what we want to do. I think the hard part is introducing Mm -hmm. that newness when you've already kind of fallen into a routine or a pattern. And we've talked about this on previous episodes. I'm used to making a certain amount of money. So why am I going to quit my job and start something that's less? Or I'm just kind of comfortable in this relationship, even if it's not the best one ever. Like I kind of know what to expect versus starting over and trying for something amazing. You know, like it does take a lot of courage to create these disruptions in your life. And I think I'll speak for myself. I feel like sometimes I get stuck in that moment of I've received the truth, but then it's having the courage to actually live it and implement it into the messy busyness of my life where I Mm -hmm. get stuck or where the momentum starts to slow down. So it's really interesting hearing from him who, like you mentioned, has made many pivots career-wise, location-wise, direction in his Mm -hmm. (laughs) life-wise, you know, just in every way. He seems like a man who's constantly in motion. And I mean that in a positive way. Um, that so it, yeah, grounded yeah. but in motion. Oh, that is a good it's, that is a good paradox. Yeah, grounded but in motion. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think that's that's the perfect way to describe it. Never and he, stagnant. And he talks about yeah, and he talks about like the groundedness comes from th- the way he was brought up. Maybe not the most conventional. Maybe people would argue like questionable, but that's his truth. That's his um, reality. And he said that part of his life made him learn the value of values. And so I think that's, is, that's the thing that sort of like keeps him grounded. But this, the notion of like always wanting to, I'm going to backtrack for a second. One theme that I think popped up with me throughout this whole book is his ability to surrender. And what I mean by that is like every time... There's like a couple like, (laughs) I mean, I don't think it's inappropriate. He's just being honest. And he's talking about these like, quote, wet dreams that he has. And it'll make more sense when you like read the book. But he has like these very specific, vivid dreams um, that has repeated a couple times in his life. And every time he has like a thought or every time like something pops up for him, he listens to it. He surrenders to it. And he does it. And I think that's very unlike a lot of us where these things pop up, kind of like what you're talking about, like these ideas, these visions pop up in our heads and we're like, okay, that was cute, um, but I'm not ready for you yet. And we sort of put it away. I feel like Mm -hmm. he's not like that. He's like, oh, I see you. You're right. I'm comfortable. I need to go to the Amazon River. (laughs) Yeah. No, I think surrender is such a a beautiful word. And I I think you're right. He's definitely someone who's not afraid to see where a path will lead. And Mm -hmm. I think we forget because his star has shone so brightly in Hollywood. But you learn early in the book, like he has a very, I guess, working class might be the term you'd categorize his upbringing he does not come from wealth he does not Mm. come from an abundance of you know blue collar yeah blue collar abundance of privilege yes he has some privileges yes good looking white man but like he also has a lot of things working against him too so 
I think that's also really refreshing to see and that it's one thing to take a risk when you have a huge safety net and you have all of these opportunities, but you really hear him. He's like, yeah, I did this. I had $1,200 in my pocket to like move across country and try to start a dream where a million people move to Hollywood and nothing happens, or I'm, you know, stealing lumber and getting into these bar fights and, you know, just really chaotic (laughs) upbringing. (laughs) I love the story about him stealing lumber to build his tree house. I'm sorry. Several stories tall. At seven years old? Not seven. (laughs) No, he was. He was seven years old when he built it. Oh, yes. Oh, when he was like, is... he had to like sneak out or something. Seven, maybe like seven, 10, 11, like young. Yeah. Not a teenager. I think, I, I love that you said surrender, but you're right. I think he does do a lot of these crazy stories and just kind of lean into things that are happening. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing that stands out to me is his ability to empathize with people I think he says like he learned he's learned a lot of this from his travels and that like values travel like we all might look different but like we have these common values and I I felt that so much with the people he'd meet on the road who had come from very different backgrounds when he was Mm -hmm. traveling around as a big Hollywood star his own relationship with his family like his father had an unconventional way of raising young men and like what masculinity looked like in that Mm -hmm. household but he you know speaks with nothing but love about his dad despite some choices that maybe we wouldn't endorse or you might do differently in your own family when he became famous and his mom kind of got swept up in that and he felt like she was kind of taking advantage and trying to use his fame to get her own attention you know he says yeah we had a difficult period for a few years but I was able to come or, you know, come around and like love her and kind of meet her in the middle. Like there's just this, this sense of when you expose yourself to seeing so much, it just opens your capacity to understand, to forgive, to empathize. And mm-hmm. it it's just seeing more is really just an expansive experience. It's not just about checking passport stamps and he says, like you said, like you could, sometimes traveling is just walking across the street. It doesn't have to be yes. somewhere different. And I, yes. I like that. Just like put yourself in someone's shoes. It doesn't have to be like, I went to Mongolia. It could be, I talked to someone on the other side of town or someone mm-hmm. on the other side of my street. And that opened me up. And I, yeah, when, um, at the beginning when I'm like, oh man, it just like taught me to fall in love with people again. I think you you hit it on the head with that's why I think is not because you know we wrote a book about Matthew McConaughey it's because he allowed himself to really get to know people and understand meet them where they are and like allow them like to teach him lessons um and I'm like you know what I don't do that enough like and it's harder in this day and age well no I'm not gonna say it's harder you have to try harder to really get to know people and like not be distracted by what's in front of us and just like the constant like overstimulation that we have. And it was just like a nice fresh reminder that I don't know, instead of he he says, I forgot what part of the book it was, but instead of focusing on comparing or instead of focusing on contrasting, I want to start with comparing first. And so it ties in with 
that yeah. humanness that you talked about with um, what brings us together, what connects us. And he believes in the the power of culture and the culture of value. And um, I'm like, oh, you know what? We do need more of that. <laughs> like badly. I need more of that. Like I need to like yeah. expand my mind and my heart to fall in love with more people. And I mean that like platonically. And I just mean that of, I don't know, meeting people where they are and, and not being so like limited mm-hmm. by what we see or like an, an, an initial experience and, and things like that. For sure. I think that was something I really appreciated about the man, Matthew mm-hmm. McConaughey. As, I mean, as the book is about him, but I feel like so, so much of it was really more like, I just keep saying philosophical. Like I felt like I was in every page like it's very much for the reader I think Mm -hmm. a lot of other memoirs let me not say a lot but some of the other memoirs I've read it's definitely let me tell you all about my life and here are the bombshells here are the secrets even though he's telling stories about himself it really does feel like he's speaking to a a larger shared human truth or a human Mm. experience story so I was like I felt myself getting emotional in parts that had nothing to do with me. (laughs) And I think it's because just the way he feels so connected and the way he was expressing himself, I just, it felt very community building where I was tearing up in moments when he was having a sharp insight about something or when he was in a malaise. Like one of the stories I really like towards the end is his kind of when he was like, I was going to really take a big risk, closed down my record label, which I didn't even know he had a record label. Same, same. <laughs> closed down his record label, shut <laughs> down his um, his like production, film production, production yeah. company. And he was like, I am not going to take any movie scripts that are rom-coms. I am going to wait for the kind of work I want to do. I'm not yeah. just going to like half-ass say that I want to pivot in a different direction. I'm going to actually put my stake in the ground. And... There were high stakes. High stakes. Multi-million contract stakes. Yeah. Multi-million contracts he was turning down. His wife was pregnant with their second child, and he did not work for over 18 months. He was yeah. like, it 20 dried. years or 20 months sabbatical or something. Yeah, yeah. It dried up for almost two years. And I felt myself getting emotional about that because I was like, wow, that this is someone who's really committed to doing the thing, you know, not just saying, oh, like, it'd be nice if I could like rebrand or try something that feels more connected Mm -hmm. to the stories I want to do. It's like, I, I really believe in this. So I'm going to, I'm going to hold out. And obviously it paid off. He started getting different roles eventually, won an Academy Award and kind of reconnected with that love of acting that he was starting to lose. But yeah, it, it just, I don't know. I felt I really just didn't feel like I was reading about him. I felt like I was just reading about a human experience that any of us could have. Mm-hmm. And I think because it is so anti-preachy, it like forces me to put myself in it, like you said, in a very immersive mm-hmm. way. Um, I, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> some At some points in, the, in his like philosophical-ness and notes, like I – I kind of got lost and I'm like, I had to reread it again. And so I'm so intrigued to like listen to the audiobook version and just sort of hear, especially his poetry. Like yeah. I know cadence, I'm not a poet, huh? but like, I know 
cadence and it is a, a very big part of poetry. So I'm very intrigued to sort of like hear that instead of just reading it. It's like a different experience. Um, but quick quote, cause I love this quote back when he was going through his rebrand um, and he even branded it his, what is it? Maconnaissance? Maconnaissance, baby. <laughs> and so the, uh, I mean, it's okay. I'll spoil this one. <laughs> We're going to spoil everything. But he's the one who came up with that term. He said it was a journalist, but he's the one who actually came up with that. And I'm like, this like quippy, witty guy, who knew? <laughs> I did not. Um, but he, I think his fixation on experience and experiencing things is also like, a huge theme of the book and when he was talking about the pivot from rom-coms to following his more artistic um passions and roles he said fuck the bucks i'm going for the experience <laughs> it was time for me to say yes and rebrand and you know what that did that got him his oscar that got him his oscar yeah for best actor he never got an oscar for how i met or how to lose a guy in 10 days or um, what was that? The wedding, wedding planner. planner. <laughs> but he did, I forgot w- which role he got it for. Dallas um, Bias Club. Thank you. You're like, Renee knows all the things about Oscars and actors. And I, te- I technically, I didn't go to film school, but like my grad school, like I took screenwriting classes. So I like overlapped with the film school kids. Yeah. yeah. And like <laughs> Renee's like a thespian. Yeah. Okay, I don't know if you knew that. Uh, we technically overlap in a couple of plays. Yeah, we're, we were drama kids in high school. In a couple of productions. <laughs> we were in the Thespian Honor Society. <laughs> Which is such a funny name for like high school kids. Because like, you know, you just make like crude jokes. Because we didn't, I'd never heard that word yeah, before. But um, yeah, love the arts, love theater. <laughs> but like I, I, Renee is like another level of knowing. You like watch the Oscars every year. Like you sort of like follow. Yeah, I try to see the films. movies. Yeah, that's that's a passion point for me for sure. Yeah. When you were like spitting out all the movies he's been in, I'm like, oh my god, I know nothing about my Matthew. But I will say he made me feel better about that um, because um, he was talking about like he went to art school, like he went to film school. Yeah, and um, I don't remember which one or anything like that, but he said something around like be unafraid he was like he's basically like unafraid to like something that's popular and that just like made me feel better about not knowing some of these like more underground films or or things like that of like well I like Marvel movies and he's just kind of like I also like popular things and it's okay (laughs) Yeah, he's very, he gives off a very unpretentious vibe, even though like the philosophy stuff can get very heady, because I think I would, I would actually just love to crawl into his brain. I feel like he's probably a great person to like, have some drinks and just talk to late into the night. I feel like that would be like a great evening. Um, Is it turkey rye? Scotch? Yes. And bourbon? Oh, God, I don't know the difference. Yeah, I know the ads you're talking about. But yeah, I think I think he is just, like, unpretentious about stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we have to start wrapping it up soon. So I guess one final quote or, like, takeaway for me, and there's so many. I mean, I, I highly recommend the book. Um, but I guess one last thing for me, and I think it's one of the bumpus stickers. And like we mentioned, he includes his poems, musings, things that he's written or pulled from other places and expanded upon. And he calls them bumpus stickers throughout the book. And one of the ones 
that I loved, which I thought was really interesting, is <clears throat> it's not about win or lose. It's about do you accept the challenge? And I think yes. for so many of us, we've talked about the fear, the fear of failure and how that is a big thing that holds people back. Am I going to win? Am I going to embarrass myself? Am I going to lose? Like we're so fixated on the outcome and he just kind of brings it back again to the process, the approach. Like, do you accept the challenge? Are you prepared to really have your skin in the game? Because once you do, you've already won just by saying like, I'm going to do this. Cause I think even like, you know, he's won the Oscar, he's like accumulated all of these accolades. I don't think those were necessarily his like big end goals. Like, I don't think he went into these films saying I'm doing this because I want to win an Academy Award. It's, Mm -hmm. it was very much focused on, I want fulfillment. I want to tell stories that feel like they're important in, in a different kind of way. Not that rom-coms aren't important, obviously big advocate for the rom-com. And he also isn't, and he was too. He likes them too. He's like, I think it's great to give people something bubbly and light and like escapist. Yeah. But I, I just think that sentiment of like, it's not about win or lose. It's do you accept the challenge is just, it's like a battle cry that I want to like carry in my life of like, do not worry about the outcome. Just, are you prepared to like, just show up, show up? Yeah. Are you prepared to yeah. show up? And that's, that's more than half the battle. So that's one of my last takeaways of in a book with hundreds of takeaways. Um, so many, you can get lost in the poems. Um, what about you as well? The, I'm going to add to that. I think, this was in the same section as well. And another sort of like ism is it's not about which choice you make. Um, It's not as important as making a choice. It's I messing up the quote now. What you're contagious. (laughs) In the worst way. (laughs) We haven't lost our our train of thought in this episode yet. Um, Dang it. (laughs) It's not about which choice you make. It's just as important as making a choice, but committing to making a choice. Something around that. <laughs> I highlight. I highlighted that as well. <laughs> well. You can just tell Renee and I are very passionate typers when we're like taking notes. We're just like, ah, I'll know exactly what I mean when I type this. Um, but yeah, it's it's yes, the choice you make matters, but what's more important is that you're going to commit to it. And like committing to it, accepting a challenge you know, showing up, stepping up, like all that. Um, I mean, he's, he's got the actions to back up what he's like saying to us. And I think that's why it doesn't feel preachy. Like it just feels like relevant. It just feels like a man who has, or human who has gone through many experiences in life and is now sharing them with you. And it's like, it's almost like we're, sounds so weird to say it like this but I'm gonna say it like we're his like children (laughs) you're such a creep (laughs) you know like I just feel you know like my I feel this way about my dad where my dad's at a certain age and every conversation just leads to a lesson and like because we were okay my dad and I were talking about my Roth IRA And I had been contributing for a few months towards the Roth 
but I wasn't splitting it up into my stocks. Okay. And my dad, and it was just like two months, but my dad was like, you see, Melissa, procrastination pays and you lost out on money. And it, you know, and you know, and he's always like, it could be anything. It, it, It always just like leads to a lesson. And I just like feel this like season of his life where he is a dad and he's sort of like doing the same thing. He's kind of like paying it forward. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, we're his, we're Matthew McConaughey's children. I giggled, but I, I know, I know exactly what you mean. There is that pay it forward, share the knowledge, share the wealth. We're all on yeah. this ride together. Like let's help each other out kind of vibe mm-hmm. that. Is nice and applicable outside of like if your career interests don't align with his, like his lessons, almost none of them have to do with Hollywood. It's just about yeah living. It's a like very living life, thin man. slice. Yeah, living without a without, without a G. The G. <laughs> because what is it? Living's living's a verb. Yeah, Something this like that. this also has nothing to do with piloting, but he does have some interesting bumper stickers of his thoughts. Um, about his relationship with his wife that as an aside, I just think are really beautiful. They have nothing to do with this podcast, so we don't have to recount them. But just like there was a section about how some people, you know, look better from afar. um, But then there are other people who you actually, when you see them up close, you see them not as an impression, but like with more definition. And I was just like, this is so beautiful like this is what you want your husband to say about you and it's me too I was like this is so precious and just I've never beautiful like as a man who like talked about his years as a bachelor Mm -hmm. and like having fun (laughs) you know to be like he's in this new phase and it is just so beautiful and rewarding for him I love that I've never like it's like a whole like page poem and it's like impressions and mirrors. Yeah. Something like that. I dog so, yeah, the pages. Uh, I want I need that like printed. I think, yeah, that's definitely one way too long to read on this podcast. Um, and that's just like one you need to like sort of experience and like get lost in and in, in his words. Um, and this is also not <laughs> a marriage podcast, but there is a really beautiful quote on marriage on page 274. Um that we don't need to read here I, but it just goes with what you're talking about with sort of like his think looking at the his perception and his perspective on marriage and his relationship with his wife like wow very refreshing um my last matthew ism that i really liked was the way he just this is like probably the one of the last things he said in the book and it was, can we live in a way where we look forward to looking back? And I think it's very similar to um, a lot of themes like you've brought up throughout the podcast as well as like, I forgot, maybe it was like a manifestation. Now I'm like losing my train of thought there. But I just, A, I just like love wordplay. And mm-hmm. he's really good at wordplay. Um, Jason Mraz, look out. Um, I just like that <laughs> the gold standard i like jason moraz for the for the record i just didn't think that he would be the point of comparison sorry i'm 
I'm not a literary goddess, but uh, I'm a lyricist and uh, Jason Mraz. Mr. I, he's, also Dan- <laughs> <laughs> he's also on Dancing with the Stars, which I've been like obsessed with. So he's top of mind. But <laughs> I just like that. Can we live in a way where we look forward to looking back? Um, I mean, I think it it says it all in there. And rather than struggling against time and wasting it, let's dance with time and redeem it. Because we don't live longer when we try not to die. We live longer when we're too busy living. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I would I would read him in a class next to Aristotle or like Plato. <laughs> I think there's just, there's a lot of good stuff there that just, it feels true. It feels universal it feels it feels enlightened in many ways like he just feels not to put him on a pedestal at all but I don't know it just feels like someone who's done a lot of that inner work and it's just in a place of like understanding and peace and Mm -hmm. like you mentioned with the workplace he has the vocabulary and like command of language to like say it in a way that most of the time makes sense and (laughs) like (laughs) relatable and I love that (laughs) I'm gonna quote Tony from Goodreads (laughs) some random book review I was like who's Tony (laughs) don't know who Tony is but I want to give this person credit okay and she said they said I love his passion to constantly be seeking more but also be content in the present and I just love the way this person phrased it because I want to adopt that. Like I want to adopt, that should have been my manifestation. <laughs> Shout out Tony. I li- I really like that right? review. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I want to, I would love if someone said that about me, like what a high praise that I am someone who seeks growth, who's constantly wanting more because we've talked about earlier episodes shout out to no name manager (laughs) where I got in trouble for wanting more oh yeah (laughs) yes we have told that story I have and I am not confident enough to ever say their name on this podcast but you know who you are and (laughs) shots fired And I just feel so much better that like someone is praised and validated and complimented by by wanting and seeking more, but also like enjoying here now and like reality. I think that second part is really important for like your mental health to be like, I want more, but it's not coming from a dissatisfaction with my life. Like I am still content. I just want to keep expanding and doing more, but it doesn't mean that I'm not perfectly happy with how my life is right now. That's really, I think that's what I would strive for. Shout out to Tony from Goodreads. Tony from Goodreads. (laughs) A true icon. I'll link her. Let me see if I can link just like one review. I'll try it. Um, But that, that stood out. (laughs) I was like, you know, instead of trying to like wrap my head around what I want to say, let me just like give this person cred. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That was perfect. I I love give, give props where props are due. And I just really aged myself by saying that, but (laughs) (laughs) 
back to the 90s. Props. <laughs> Props. Props to you, Renee. Like what we used to say. Yeah. Props to you. I love it. Um, so yeah, recommend. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you could tell, but highly recommend. Highly recommend. Um, and the word on the street is that the audiobook is great. So if you're an audiobook person, I imagine that's great. I've heard him give interviews about this book, and I do think hearing him read it in his voice with his passion so and storytelling true. would be with his riz <laughs> I think would be amazing but I'm a big fan of the physical book I, the mm-hmm. scrapbooking of it all is really special and I'm, I'm curious how they do that in the audiobook yeah I'm gonna absolutely listen to the audiobook um but speaking of the physical book so fun story where you all benefit from this fun story is you know your girl's a thrifter and I found this book green lights at the thrift store but I had already bought like a new copy of this book and I'm like oh I gotta grab it so I am keeping the thrifted version because it's a little bit more like used and we're going to give away a physical copy of this book because we just feel like everyone needs to experience it so more details will be shared on our Instagram Um, but just look out for it later in the week so that you can win a chance to get this book and have it on your shelf because it's absolutely needs to be. Yeah. Keep an eye out for that guys. I think this is, this is a really fun one and we're, we're just excited to share the, share the wealth with everyone. Our first giveaway. I love it. (laughs) We're growing baby. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess pivoting to, like gold stars. Do you, what do you, what is your gold star this week? Ooh. Okay. So my gold star this week combines two of my favorite things. It combines Spain and sweaters. (laughs) Did not. Okay. I was going to try and guess, but no clue. (laughs) Anyone know what it is? Um, so it's a company called Baba and they make some of the most like luxurious, comfortable wool sweaters. They are pricey. Um, and, you know, part of me is like, oops, I didn't share this before their Black Friday sales. But they also have like other sales throughout the year. Um, and that's spelled B-A-B-A-A. And they're based in Spain. They're like a family-owned company. There's They have like a lot of science behind how they make and use like the fabric for their for their sweaters I'm not even going to try to pretend to know what I'm talking about with their process and how they make their wool and how they do it sustainably but I mean just based on the website you can tell that like it is made with intention it is made with love and it is made with the planet in mind and like I love all the above so um, I'll drop that. I'll drop their website on the on our show notes. I do have like two sweaters, um, and I wear them constantly. And they're the type of sweaters. I mean, you know, they're wool, so uh, they'll soften over time. So you know, if you are sensitive to fabric, which a lot of people are, I'd recommend like wearing like a long sleeve underneath, and or just. Uh, 
wearing it enough so that it softens up. I've had mine for like a year and a half or so now and I love them and they are warm and they give like cute Nordic girl vibes. <laughs> like that look. Ooh. That is that aesthetic. That like fall girl, winter girl aesthetic. Yeah, I like that aesthetic. Do they have their own sheep? Is that like the Baba? Is it like they have their own yeah. sheep farm? Yeah, yeah. So they, yeah, they have their own farm and then they have, they, they use like a, I think they, what did they say? Like a specific Japanese machinery as well. Like they get really nerdy in a, in the best way possible about their process. Um, I just didn't have the riz enough to explain it. <laughs> Word of the year. Word of the podcast, baby. <laughs> riz riz. <laughs> I don't think it's used like that. Let me stop. I know we can't ruin your like cool young girl cred. <laughs> but what about you, Renee? What do you what's what are you giving your gold star to? Um, well, I'm really excited to check out Baba. That sounds really. I love a values based company, and I love clothing. So it reminds me of like some of yeah. They're they are oversized, so just keep that in mind if you're like into that look. I, I do like that look on me. Hmm, cool. Yeah. Um, I'm giving two gold stars this week, two icons that I love. The first is Beyonce. So I'm a huge fan. I saw the Renaissance film on Thursday night um, when it came out. And I have to tell you, I knew I was going to love it, but I, I don't think I realized just how much I was going to love it. I think Obviously, the tour footage of the concert, and I was lucky enough to see the concert live in New York, but the tour footage, the vantage points, the directing, the talk, like it's just stunning to see it that close. You get to see multiple costumes that didn't show up at your city. It's fantastic. But I think there's so much like documentary footage behind the scenes of her thought process as an artist. I mean, she's clearly a true visionary and collaborator. That's, so it doesn't just show the concert. It shows, no. It's like an actual like documentary. Yeah, it's it's the concert, but it intersperses with documentary oh. footage and interviews with her about putting the show together, building the staff of like the all the women who are assembling the stages, um, the stories of many of the dancers and why they were hand selected by her to be a part of the story and like the representation and like inclusivity that's driving a lot of this era. It's a lot about her personal life, which she's very guarded about, which I really respect for a woman at her level of fame. But she talks about her children and Blue, who performed on the tour, and the, the story of what that looked like. And it just, it really made me respect her as a mother, as an artist, which I always have. And I mean, she, there's really just in my mind, no one like her. I think she's our greatest living performer right now I think if she had a concert and the lights went out the dancers couldn't come and it was just her with a flashlight and a microphone in a field for two hours I would get my money's worth she can dance she can sing she like she's just so amazing so Mm -hmm. I'd agree with that we are so effing lucky I know to live in the era of Beyonce it's great and the fact that she hasn't like gone insane you know (laughs) (laughs) from that (laughs) level of attention and scrutiny and just all of that it's just really I don't know she just I I don't want to again like I don't want to idolize her but she is really special Uh, no we can idolize her (laughs) she's really special 
Um, and then my second gold star goes to Rafael Nadal. He's my favorite tennis player ever. I just, I love him. I think he's so talented and humble and he's been injured for the past year for like several, he had several surgeries and he's like in his thirties, which is he in his thirties? Yeah. I think he's like late twenties, early no, I don't know, whatever. I think he's in his 30s and he's kind of getting to you the- like to, You like to age people up, so I don't know. I know, he could be 16. Just no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have any Sorry. concept of time. But um, yeah, he's getting towards the end of his like athlete's career age. Mm-hmm. Um, And he's he announced recently that after a year of like rehab and stuff, he's coming back to play in the new year to play tennis and he put out this really amazing video on Instagram where he's just talking to the camera and he's like very vulnerable and honest saying you know I've had a lot of struggles this year I didn't think I'd ever play again you know with these injuries and surgeries but I've just put so much into this sport that I don't feel like my career should end at a press conference like I want it to end on the court and I just I, the level of discipline and hard work that he has had to put his body through over the years, you know, he's had a lot of injuries throughout his career, but still managed to be in the conversation of one of the best of all time. He has like 21 grand slams, I believe, um, or 22. It's insane. And I just, you know, I really, I really admire that commitment to saying, I want to try and finish things on my own terms. I'm personally someone who's really good at starting things and not always great at finishing them. So I, I respect that, that follow through to say, I, I want to end on the court on my own terms. I don't know tennis that well. I know you've, I mean, ever since I've known you, you and your family are like really into tennis um, but I re- have a lot of respect for, a, for any sport and athletes. And as an athlete, I mean, that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like the way he, fr- like, yeah, like I would hate I- to be sidelined like that. Yeah. It, um, not to give anything away about this book. I don't think it does, but I, we've talked about this. I was actually reading the book while I was in Spain and it was, um, a Taylor Jenkins read book, Carrie Soto. <laughs> Carrie Soto is back and kind of reminds me of uh, someone who's maybe on the tail end of their athletic career wanting to put it all out there on the courts one yeah. last time. Yeah, I as someone who's not a sports girly like you, I do have a lot of respect for athletes and and the work that they put in. So I'm just a basketball girl, yeah. Sports yeah. is- I have a couple of sports, but I am not a sports umbrella. Um, <laughs> but I guess, what are you manifesting this week? Okay, so you actually mentioned and teased a part of this bumper sticker, I suppose, from, from Matthew McConaughey's book. But I just liked this whole section, and I think it just feels really good as like a manifestation. God, when I cross the truth, give me the awareness to receive it the consciousness to recognize it, the presence to personalize it, the patience to preserve it, and the courage to live it. And like, just hearing that like as a manifestation, right? Um, of Like when you're given a sign, when you're given this moment, when you're given this opportunity, having 
the awareness, the consciousness, the presence, and the patience and the courage to back that up. I need that. And I I loved it. And it's from the book. And you read like the extended version of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I really liked that piece as well. And once again, our brains are connected because my manifestation is not from the book. It's from Morgan Harper Nichols. I saw it on Instagram. She was doing a lot of affirmations. She just has great, like, feel-good content anyway. But what I'm manifesting, which is very much in the same vein as your quote, is I am making space to apply what I have been learning in my life. And it's simple, it's brief, but it is something we've been touched, I've especially been touching on in our last few episodes of, like, I have this information, I have this truth, I I know what I want to try, but just, like, make the space to apply it. And that that's what I'm manifesting for this week. Bringing things to life. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's like a really good way to view like the end of the year. Like even though it's like ending, right? Like December, we're going to enter 2024. But now it's time, baby. <laughs> the new year is among us. The new year is among us. And life is precious what did matthew say about time like we can't really get it back so let's Mm -hmm. let's really be doing with that time what we want to or at least what we want to try and have have no regrets or fewer regrets at least Mm -hmm. look forward to looking back Mm -hmm. (laughs) yes well thank you for our conversation today melissa and thank you all for listening Keep an eye out for this giveaway because as you've heard from Melissa and I, we loved this book. So really excited to help get it in someone else's hands so that you can learn from Mr. McConaughey as well. We're piloting giveaways now, baby. Hey. (laughs) Wordplay. Stop. No, it's good. No bad bad ideas. I like it. (laughs) I almost started singing singing Jason Mraz, but we're not going to do that. I already embarrassed myself with Hilary Duff like... 10 episodes ago. Um, (laughs) But thank you. Here's to catching more green lights. And yeah, thank you all for being here. Really love this book and hope you loved this episode and hope you pick up this book as well and and love it as much as we did. Absolutely. Thanks everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.